This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. If you're listening on the first day of this release, it is the day before Thanksgiving 2020. So happy early Thanksgiving to you, to all of our listeners. If you're listening after, well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and a safe one. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, co-founder of this podcast, co-founder of the entire Vernacular Podcast Network, which will continue to grow and grow and grow. Zach, Zach, how are you? I am doing great. I just... Love it every time you describe this massive, uh, massive podcast network called Vernacular. I'm already prepping my introduction for the, you know, season five, episode 16, which is the series finale, because that's going to be a big one. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be great. So today we're talking about season five, episode 12, Rabid Dog. We learn why the title is, is that during the episode. Zach, this is another good one. I think, you know, season five, the last, you know, Eight episodes in this season are just all really good in their own ways, and I'm excited to get into this one. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, I also really want to talk about this title, Rabid Dog, because there's a lot going on here. Uh, it is also not the first episode title of Breaking Bad that has a canine theme. If you remember, season oh. four, episode seven was called Problem, Problem Dog. Dog. Problem Dog. And, uh, yeah. and I think there's some unique thematic parallels that we can talk about. Well, let's just jump right into the two-minute summary from Wikipedia, which is going to be more like a 30-second summary because it's pretty short, and then we will jump into trivia and bloopers, broader thoughts and themes, and then, of course, our categories, best scene, best moment, and best writing. Zach, are you ready? Ready to go. Two-minute summary from Wikipedia reads, Walt finds Saul's car crashed in his driveway and his house unoccupied and doused in gasoline. He leaves a message on Jesse's voicemail to meet in order to explain himself. Skyler pushes Walt to kill Jesse. Backtracking, Hank is seen stopping Jesse from torching the White's house. Jesse agrees to cooperate with Hank, who videotapes Jesse's confession. Jesse goes to meet Walt while wearing a wire. He instead calls Walt, refusing to meet and threatening to, quote, get him where he really lives, end quote. Walt calls Todd to say he has another job for his uncle. That is the end of the two-minute summary. Zach, it's pretty blunt in places. Yeah. What do you give? What do you give this one? It is for sure. So first of all, I timed it. It was thirty-seven seconds. So okay. we. we and I was reading pretty slowly. You so. were, yeah. I mean, I definitely read a lot faster than you do. Uh, that's credit to you. I end up reading too fast, and then it's hard for people to understand me when they listen to their podcast at one and a half times speed. <laughs> I, guilty guilty as charged yeah i uh i have um yeah for sure me too i have been told that i normally talk at 1.5 times speed i think it's just that like east coast east coast thing in me you know i was born on the east coast and i guess it never really never really left because i'm always a pretty fast talker uh yeah so 37 seconds we i think we definitely officially as of this episode i think we should rename this to the 30 Second summary. What do you think? Yeah, 30 second summary. Right. I agree. So that's what we're going to call it from now on. Now that we're rounding out to the very end of the series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think as far as the um, the grade here, I think that this is like fine. I would say like B uh, because I think it highlights, you know, uh, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go B minus because I think it highlights all the big things, but it does so in a way that is just a little bit too clinical. Yeah, I was going to go B minus as well. Okay. I don't like the term 
backtracking. Yeah, it's not what I, I would yeah, call same. it. I would say like in a flashback or, you know, we see you don't even we you could just say something like we see what happened, you know, to stop Jesse torching the White's house. Hank, yeah. you know, whatever, something like that. It's backtracking is confusing for the reader because they're like what does that mean well that's like wait is is hank backtracking like right exactly was hank backtracking and then he saw jesse (laughs) yeah it is confusing okay so we'll fix that it's pretty blunt skylar pushes walt to kill jesse right and that's what that's what i had in mind when i said this was too clinical because there's so much more going on in that scene we'll talk about it right uh it's not just skylar pushing walt to kill jesse there's there's a lot more so right exactly yeah b minus for me as well yeah all right, Zach, did you have any trivia and bloopers? I know you pulled some here, so I'll let you lead this part. Yeah, I've got a few here. So first of all, this is number 38 on the Ringers list. And in our in our uh, episode notes here, originally, Josh, you may have seen when, when you were filling out this doc earlier too, you may have seen my comment on here that this seemed really low. Um, but as I, as I kind of watched back through the episode and like looked at the individual scenes as I was kind of pulling the pulling my nominations, I was like, you know, this, this episode actually is not fantastic, I don't think. Yeah, I, think, I agree. I think the 38 is like reasonable for where this episode is. I mean, certainly where it sits, again, in, this, in the show arc, there's a lot going on. It's super exciting. You're like, what's going to happen? But as a standalone episode, I don't think it's that great. Yeah, I, I totally agree. In fact, when I was pulling my scenes for this as well, I was like, you know, when I first watched through it, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good because it builds on what we saw last episode. We we sort of see what the, the whole thing with Jesse pouring the gasoline, like, why, like what happened there we figure out why he stopped essentially i certainly think it, it's a great linkage between episode 11 and episode 13 which i think are both very good and and like episode 14 15 16 are excellent so i think that this is just an important middle piece but it's probably not like as a standalone episode the most amazing thing ever yeah i totally agree um, I also, continuing on the trivia bloopers thing here, uh, at 35 minutes or so, Jesse is standing in front of a bookcase in Hank's uh, house. When I saw that the first time through, I tried to pause that frame and I was like, what, what books can I see here? What's going on? Um, cause I was like, they have to, they had to have put a little Easter egg in there somewhere and I didn't see it, but according to IMDB, the DVD case that's on the shelf, um, or one of the DVD cases, specifically the one next to this book called <laughs> The Body Language of Horses, which is hilarious, um, is a DVD case of Breaking Bad, uh, one of the earlier seasons. Um, it looks like they've taken the spine off, so you can't actually tell that. You'd have to like compare the actual case to the, you know, the back that you can see a little bit of. So it's not a super exciting um, Easter egg. I wish they had just put the whole, you know, spine visible and everything. It would right. be kind of fun. I went back and looked at this as well, and I was like, I really tried to like zoom in. I couldn't see it either. Yeah, but you probably did see Deadwood, right? I did. I did see that. Yeah. So Deadwood's on the shelf, and um, I can confirm that that is another show in which Anna Gunn appears. So that's kind of who plays Skyler. So that's kind of a fun uh, little Easter egg. Um, in the conversation with Hank and Gomi, where Jesse is saying, "I don't want to go to the plaza," he makes a reference to a clock tower guy. That is a reference, and and I say this having previously been at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, that's a reference to Charles Whitman, who uh, ended up, or not? I think I think it was in the seventies. Could have the could have the decade wrong, but um, he posted up in the UT Austin clock tower, which is a very big tower, and sniped people from there. I think I could totally be wrong, and probably am, but I, I want to say like sixteen people were killed. It was a, a very serious mass shooting that everyone in Austin still remembers. Um, yeah, it was 1966. Okay, close. 16 <laughs> people died at the school, including the shooter, and then he shot 
you know, someone else as well. So, so also 16, injured 31 16 people. Dead. Oh my goodness, 31 yeah. injured, yeah. yeah. So 16 dead, but there were a lot more injured. Um, right. and yeah. six, 66, okay. Um, yeah, thank you for that. So that's Charles Whitman. That's what uh, Jesse's talking about when he says a clock tower guy. Um, the DEA coffee cup, I did not catch this personally. This is courtesy of the internet that Marie gives to Jesse. Spells out dead if you count the handle of the mug as another D. So D-E-A and then the handle would make a D. And don't you always count the handle of the mug as your <laughs> last letter? <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's definitely interesting, but like I would that's not something that I would pick up unless it's framed perfectly. Yeah, that would make you think it was a D. Right. I would never probably have looked at that. It's a good point. It makes me wonder if the show people who staged it also didn't look at that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, exactly. This is one of those where I'm like, ah, maybe we're reaching here a little bit, guys. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's on the internet, so how can we wrong? Exactly. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, this is another one that I would not know. I don't even know what Babylon 5 is, but when um, QB is talking about having uh, staked out Badger to see if Jesse was there, he said that Badger talked about Babylon 5, something called Babylon 5 for three hours. Babylon 5 is apparently a 1993 movie or show. I think it's a show, I guess, um, yeah. that Brian Cranston actually made a guest appearance in in 1997. So that's, you know, we have the Deadwood and a gun appearance on the bookshelf we have the brian cranston reference for babylon 5 so that's kind of a fun little thing there yeah ran for 111 episodes from 1993 to 1998 wow 111 episodes okay. all right guys when we're finished breaking back we're going right into babylon 5 <laughs> the rewatch we're gonna have we're gonna have qb on the podcast <laughs> oh my goodness no it's not qb he hasn't heard of it it's badger oh that's right yeah, that's we got right. a badger, we have to have badger on the i like also how that trivia point like points out QB's first name Patrick what well, we've never heard <laughs> him referred to as Patrick QB like That's he's so like uh, some someone really important on the show yeah oh Patrick QB of course oh yeah yeah definitely oh that that QB Patrick QB and this is uh this is not a trivia as much as it is a uh a, a rather acerbic observation on my part but Marie's therapist is about as good an actor as Walt's oncologist who we have criticized yeah. before Oof. He's not great. And that, that scene, it's very one-sided in the ability. Cause like we've talked, we talked last episode of the podcast, Betsy Brandt is like really delivering really on good. all cylinders and he really is like, this guy is not. So it's I unfortunate mean, <laughs> cause that scene could have been really, I think it is important and it's, it's good, but I think that it's sort of lost by the fact that it's very one-sided. Yeah, I mean, she's like, I've been tracing, I was up all night, you know, last night researching untraceable poisons. And then she describes in very great detail this shellfish toxin and then he's like well if you're not ready to talk to me marie <laughs> oh my goodness it's almost oh like she goodness. chastises like like marie the character chastises the therapist the character but it's only almost, almost like betsy brand is like get on my level here yeah, other so actor like you stink yeah it's like it almost would have been better if we had like we had um you know a couple episodes ago uh just marie talking yeah, and you know Skyler. You Skyler in that scene was just listening, right? But just have yeah. Marie talking and just like you can even show him. It doesn't really matter, sure. but like don't give him a speaking line because he ruins it. <laughs> and not just one speaking line, a lot of speaking. Yeah, lines. there really are. It's like it feels like it's supposed to be a dialogue, but it's it doesn't feel like a dialogue at all. It's like no, definitely. You, are you even talking right now? What are you saying? <laughs> um. All right. So that's all I had for trivia and bloopers, Josh. Okay, so we have a couple broader thoughts and themes here. I think the the one thing that we sort of touched on last episode that we should we should talk here about because we get a little bit more clarification is Skylar as a character. Like I I made the whole point about how she was 
basically in this hole that she didn't feel like she could get out of. And then in this episode, she does offer that maybe they should, you know, what's one more? Let's kill Jesse. And so I know you had some thoughts on this, so I'll let you sort of kick this part off. Yeah, well, I, I like what you just said there about the what's one more, because it's kind of that I, I think I was thinking about this earlier today, actually. Like, I think I'm starting to rethink how to interpret or analyze the actions of the characters in Breaking Bad, especially the bad ones or the so-called bad ones. I mean, I would say bad, but, you know, Walt especially, but also I would say like Skyler or the people who are sort of caught up in his vortex, uh, maybe even Jesse as well. Um, and I think your sort of what's one more uh, observation is good here. But I think ultimately what we're seeing is that Skyler is, Skyler feels like she's so entrenched into this, like, you know, uh, to your point about the whole, and ultimately, they might have to do a few more bad things, maybe just one more bad thing, to enable for themselves the life that they wanted to lead. And so it's for her, it's all about the ends justifying the means, right? We have this vision. We have this goal for how to get there. If someone is standing in our way, especially if that person is unreasonable or just set on stopping us, we need to stop them because... This is what we've built so far. And we've done all this. We're all set to go. We just need to cross this one last hurdle. And, but I think this is still a remarkable kind of change of tone for Skylar from previously because, you know, it's one thing to be like, yeah, I'll green light this video that will sever my relationship with my sister and brother-in-law for forever. It's another thing to be like, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and murder this, you know, 24-year-old kid or however old Jesse is. I don't know. But that's a totally different thing. I also think it's interesting, though, we talked about this a little bit, you know, uh, on the question of whether or not Walt would really kill Jesse in the desert. It's clear from this episode he wouldn't kill Jesse in the desert, right? He doesn't want to kill Jesse. He, I mean, even even when he makes that phone call at the end to Todd, Todd, I think I might have another job for your uncle, He's his eyes are welling up with tears because he's so uncertain about this. He does not want to kill Jesse. Saul suggests this to him with the whole, <laughs> the colorful uh, old yeller thing, and, uh, in fact, I've got that actually on audio. Do you want me to just play that right now, yeah. Josh? Yeah, definitely. Okay, but say, you know, just for the sake of argument, the kid's not in the mood for a nuanced discussion of the virtues of child poisoning. You know, his plans are running more towards stabbing you to death with a pointed stick. In that scenario, then what? You have a suggestion? We were wondering if uh, maybe this isn't an old yeller type situation old yeller yeah old yeller was the best most loyal dog that ever was i mean everybody loved that mutt but one day he showed up rabid and little timmy for old yeller's own sake had to uh oh you mean you saw the movie so i have the audio because this is my nomination for best writing so i'll come back to that in just a second but um that is Saul's solution for this, comparing Jesse very directly to a rabid dog. Old Yeller got rabies, rabid dog, etc. When Skyler advocates for offing Jesse, it's very interesting to me that Walt says he's not just some rabid dog. So he is directly countering the same argument that Skyler is making and that he just rebutted um, to Saul's face a few minutes prior. So it's the closest person to him in his life, that is his wife, and it's his closest um, 
business associate, I guess we'd say. And, and not to say that he and Saul are, friend, are friends by any means, but Saul knows all the dirty laundry, right? And so it's, I think it's remarkable that Walt is even pushing back to him. Um, and so I think it's interesting that we have this old yeller comparison, a rabid dog that Saul makes. And then we have Walt saying, he's not just a rabid dog, but the most interesting thing to me in the context of then Walt later saying to Skyler, Jesse's never hurt anyone. The most interesting thing to me is that Jesse has hurt someone and namely it was Gail who Jesse himself described in therapy as a problem dog. And that was a killing that Walt force forcefully to Jesse demanded and required and said, this is something that we have to do because the ends justify the means. It's either him or us, but he's somehow rejecting that same logic, at least initially when it comes to Jesse. Yeah. It's interesting about the, the whole idea that Walt refers to him as the rabid dog to Skyler. And I know that's probably top of mind because he just met with Saul in the car and Saul just pitched that to him. But it's interesting that he would, that would be his go-to reference like he could have said he's not a lost cause he's not a bad kid he's not but he refers to him as a rabid dog which is like you know that's not a that's not a good thing as Saul says old yeller was put down you know for being a rabid dog so like putting no, that's, that that's not what he said he said well you saw the movie <laughs> <laughs> right exactly but by the way I I'm not an old yeller stand so I'm not familiar with the with the movie but I did you know, like look it up on Wikipedia. First of all, the movie's Dude. eighty. The movie's eighty-three minutes long, and the Wikipedia summary is like seven paragraphs. So it must be a really convoluted movie. But also, there's no character named Timmy. Oh really? Movie. Oh, the, the what's guy's the boy's name, name is Travis. Oh okay. So Saul's got really his facts sure. wrong. Really well, sure dude, I saw that movie here. when I was I don't know, probably like six years old. That is a yeah, traumatizing movie. It probably for a scarred you. To see. I've never seen it since then, and I I will not see it again but i mean there, there's You're a reason it into the old uh, dvd player for your children <laughs> oh uh, you mean the vhs player josh right, because that's VHS where player. i saw it um yeah i mean the the fact that saul you know basically says well you saw the movie because he doesn't want to describe what happened it is true i mean the boy has to shoot his dog because his yeah. dog is free. it's terrible it, it it's it's awful yeah but i guess my point my point about that whole thing was like walt is making a a connection between a rabid dog and Jesse. Like he's, he's furthering Skylar's negative thought process about Jesse as a person. And so it's not like helping Jesse's cause by referring to him by a negative term. So it's interesting that he continues with that theme, even if it is sort of at the tip of his tongue, because he just heard it from Saul. Yeah, totally. So I think otherwise in, in broader thoughts and themes, I touched on this last episode, but, Walt's gasoline story is is one of the worst things we've heard. Dude, so it's so, so bad, bad so that even Walt Jr. says, Dad, just tell us the truth. Like it's so ridiculous. And he that he goes to such great lengths to try to make it plausible by like dousing his clothes in gasoline, which has got to smell awful, and then putting gasoline in his car, like on the seat. It's ridiculous. But it's a it's classic Walt Walter White, like talking way too much it just is so ridiculous yeah like we've said i mean if walt is just running his mouth and being so friendly and chatty kathy uh he is lying yeah so obvious yeah but before we move on we have a couple other broader thoughts and themes you had an interesting point here about about badger a beaver i mean badger <laughs> yeah exactly uh, here yeah so um walt 
when he's talking to Saul, he's like, you know, did you check what's his house? What's his name? Beaver? Clearly talking about Badger. <laughs> and it just made me think of that scene in uh, season two, I think it was, yeah. when Combo gets killed. Yeah. Um, He's like, which one was Combo again? He says that to Jesse. And this is when Jesse's mourning the death of his friend. And clearly Walt did not care about Jesse's friends, never did care about Jesse's friends, etc. And this is another example of that. I mean, Badger played a not insignificant role in the early days of Walt's meth empire. And Walt can't even remember the guy's name. This is one of Jesse's best friends, really one of Jesse's like two best friends in the world now that Combo's gone and Jane obviously is gone and um, Andrea's out of his life and Walt has no idea what his name even is. You know, is it Beaver? Yeah, it, it's pretty bad, but also like how many animal names does he know? Like who, how many people who have animal names does he know? Like that he can't remember Badger. <laughs> I guess they're sort of similar Beaver, Badger, like in they both start with B. That's pretty much it. So it's pretty pitiful. Yeah. He's just thinking of like Leave it to Beaver, the old television show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then your last thing on here that you you had written down was that Walt, you know, when he doesn't, when he tries to explain to Skylar who Jesse is. <laughs> Remember he had dinner with us? <laughs> As if she was going to forget that. that or that not, not even the dinner though. Like, she, you know, she's known exactly who Jesse Pinkman was ever since she thought he was calling Walt to get uh, oh, yeah. or, or to to deal him we right right <laughs> it's like right she went to his house yeah she knows who jesse pinkman is it's hilarious uh, remember jesse yeah you remember him <laughs> he, he came for dinner <laughs> all right well let's let's move on to our best scene here we both have the same uh pick for best scene so this is the conversation between skylar and walt there's a there's a lot going on here but we'll just play a little snippet and then we'll talk through it you know i played along with your pump malfunction bullshit because junior was standing right there but now I would like to know what's going on. First of all, it's no big deal. Coming here is just me being overly cautious. Jesse Pinkman, remember? He came over to the house, that time for dinner, remember? Well, he... He got upset over this something he thinks I did. I did do it, but I did it for very good reasons. And it's just, it's complicated. The reason that I love this scene so much, first of all, I love the location. It's taking place in this very like fancy hotel room. And you, you often think about hotel rooms, especially ones like that as being, you know, like a fun getaway, a vacation. And yet we're confronted with a scene here that is like the exact opposite of that. So I love that they're sort of playing against what you might think might be the case, that they're able to just like get away from everything. And in fact, it's just impossible with what they've what they're into at this point. Like there's no getting away from from what they have going on. So I love that that that's sort of how it's set up. The other thing that I like about the scene, in addition to like the amazing acting by Anna Gunn and, and Brian Cranston, it's just like how tired Skylar seems of all of this. Like she's just like she's literally I went in along, bed, which is significant, right, right? Right. I went along with your BS about the pump. Yep. But like, tell me what's going on. And then Walt continues to try to just say like, you know, he's upset about something I might have done. You know, it's like it, it, you can just see it in the way that the Anna Gun acts it that she's just exhausted by like all of this, this like like run around stuff that she's been getting. Like she just wants him to be upfront with her and she doesn't understand why he can't be. And then when she offers 
not a good decision, not a moral decision to like off Jesse, but like a plausible solution to their problem. He reacts in this way. That's like, how dare you? And I, and I, and I understand where he's coming from. He doesn't want to get rid of Jesse, but she is like legitimately thinking about the problem and he's still like playing this game with her. So I just think there's so many dynamics in the scene that just are excellent. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, you know, I think that it's she also has like a funny comment where he after she suggests that solution, he's like, how much have you had a drink? And she was like, not enough or not. I think she says <laughs> not nearly enough. Um, yeah. Or when he says, were you spying on me? When she says, I saw you talking to Saul in the parking lot. She's like, yes. And I feel terrible about it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's, I, I love that she's now at a place like her character is at a place where she feels like she meets him at, yeah. at a certain level. And early season Skylar, we just never got that. And it was right. just like super unfortunate to watch their interactions because Walt was running circles around her and she was letting him. And now it's to the point where he's trying to run a circle around her and she's like stopping him in his tracks. Yeah. It'd be interesting to have a psychologist on to talk to us about like what's going on potentially with Skylar here, because we talked about battered spouse syndrome a little bit already, but normally I think of that almost as we had, you know, first and second and even third season Skylar. Um, but now she's not that like she's she's kind of owning this and like standing up to Walt you know, so much so that she's like, maybe you should have Jesse killed. Um, and I think that's remarkable to your point about the transparency thing. She wants Walt to be transparent when Walt says he just needs to talk with Jesse and reason with him. That's I think the most interesting part of this dialogue. is She's like, just so we're clear, you're using figurative language to describe that, you know, like basically you're really going to kill him. And Walt's like, what? How could you say yeah. that? Yeah, yada, yada. exactly. Yeah, I also my my like one of my nits to pick in this episode comes in this scene. It's a great scene. But of course, the writers have written themselves into a little bit of a hole because they have a young child who is apparently asleep in her pack and play <laughs> in the room. And Walt makes a comment that's like, wow, you got her down really fast tonight in this super bright room. Yeah, that's a good point. While they're like talking very loudly. <laughs> that's such to a each good other, point. It's like, OK. I know you have to include Holly and like she can't be in Junior's room watching pay-per-view and room service, but but it's like so goofy. Like they just sort of written themselves into a corner here that they have to deal with the fact that there is a six or seven month old child. I guess actually she might be a year old. She's walking now, but whatever. Uh, yeah, she's case, pretty old for sure. Whatever the case is, I, well, she's I mean, not asleep in that room. Yeah, and even if she's older, it makes it even more egregious, right? Like a one year old exactly. going to go to sleep in that environment, <laughs> right? Yeah, or or go down so easily in a random hotel in the bright lights. Yeah, our travel trick when we take our young ones around and we still have a child who sleeps in a you know uh, a pack and play. Is we set up the pack and play in the bathroom. Oh, and then smart. Uh, and then we can shut that door and do you wheel them out later. Or you leave them there all night. Uh, normally leave them there all night. Um, that's tricky if you have to use the bathroom. So that's it depends on how big the bathroom is, right? But we, yeah, we try to we try to get the big bathrooms or the hotels <laughs> yeah. with big bathrooms. Like we've had success with Fairfield Inn and Suites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so oh, you, yeah. Just, you just have to kind of know what you're getting. We'll call My ahead and be like, to... how big are your bathrooms? <laughs> <laughs> My trick is to just not travel with children. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> you even can a better trick. It. It's if a fantastic trick, it. yeah. Yeah. All right, so that is our best scene. Anything else on that before we move on? Nope, I don't think so. Okay, so let's talk about best moment here. I'll save mine for a second since sequentially it comes second. So let's talk about your best moment in this episode. Yeah, so I mean, best is kind of a weird word to describe what I'm about to describe here. But, you know, when um, when Hank is trying to get Jesse to, con uh, to to go to the plaza and meet Walt, Jesse's like, no way, because there's going to be a clock tower guy. I'm going to die. Like, Walt really wants me dead. 
Remember, Jesse doesn't know what we know about how Walt doesn't want to kill Jesse. Jesse thinks Walt wants him dead, and so he's like, no, I don't want to go to this plaza and meet him. And Hank's like, no, no, you're going to be fine, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then there's that moment where Gomi is like, what if the kid's right? What? What if the kid's right? What if it's a trap? The kid? Oh, you mean the junkie murderer that's dribbling all over my guest bathroom floor? Well, then he's right. Pinkman gets killed. And we get it all on tape. So the reason why I picked this as a moment that just kind of gripped me in a little, uh, you know, kind of an unexpected way is that when I watch shows, I often tend to, or movies, I tend to like fall into this dichotomous way of viewing characters, right? They're either like the good guys or they're the bad guys. And this little moment, as subtle as it was, was to me a reminder that like Hank's well-intentioned and Hank's done good things and Hank's been in many respects and in many parts of the show, like the hero. But here it's clear he's just trying to use Jesse, right? Like he's offered Jesse a place to stay in his home. He's been kind to him so far, et cetera. And then when Gomi raises possible safety concerns about Jesse going to the plaza, Hank's like, ah, you mean the the junkie murderer who's, you know, peeing on my bathroom floor at this moment? Who cares if he dies? And that was to me, I guess just a bummer, right? Because I've kind of made Hank into the the hero of this show in many respects. And look, at the end of the day, Hank's human and, and humans are, are fallen creatures and uh, we all do wrong things no matter how heroic we can seem in other situations. But it was an interesting, I think, way to portray Hank there, right? He's not totally pure. He's not a pure hero because no human can be a totally pure hero. Yeah, I think we get shades of that earlier in the episode too that's not that's not so direct when, when he first discovers Jesse in the backtrack <laughs> or the flashback as normal people call it. Yeah, exactly when he busts into Walt's house and basically stops Jesse from burning it down, it's all self-serving. It's not really for Walt. It's not to save Walt's house. It's not to, to protect Walt. It's not even to protect Jesse. It's to use him before he becomes an, you know, a felon because he's out on bail, I think at this point. And he, you know, committing another crime while out on bail would certainly get him put behind bars and then be unusable to Hank. So I think we get a little bit of that. It seems very, you know, in the moment, it seems like, oh, maybe he really is trying to help him. Maybe they can help each other. But really, we know that it's mostly for Hank. And this this scene, this moment that you've chosen sort of confirms that. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, say like, I, I don't want to give the impression that I've up to this point thought that Hank was flawless. I mean, I think it's like in many respects, his personality flaws are on clear display all throughout. Like he cusses sure. freely. He says quite a few things that are racist uh, <laughs> against especially people of Mexican origin. I mean, he like he yeah. always ribs Gomi for his heritage, et cetera. So like Hank is, in you know, in many respects, a flawed guy. But right now, as he's closing in on Walt and as he's like locked in this chess battle with Walt, you know, I just tend to see things in this like binary, like, you know, black and white, good and evil thing. And it's just a reminder, like no one in this is totally pure. Yeah, I think, too, from a practical perspective, I mean, the writers are probably thinking like Walt is still the main character and we can't have people completely hate him. And Jesse is also the other main character. We can't have people completely hate him as well. So they needed a way to sort of remind the audience that like, oh, you, you can also root for things they're doing, too. Right, right. Which I think will become important in the next couple episodes. As oh, well. totally. Yeah. So my best moment comes at the very end. We already touched on it a little bit. And this is when. Walt calls Todd at the very end. And as I wrote in the 
the show notes, Walt calls Tude because I misspelled it. So Walt calls Todd. Uh, yes, and classic Tude, the business associate. Yeah. yeah. So we'll hear a little bit of their, their uh, back and forth. Actually, it's just one side. We'll hear Walt. Hey, it's Walt. I'm okay. I, uh, Todd, I think I might have another job for your uncle. So not only is this like a great end to the episode because it really makes you want to start the next one, which I did right away. I was like, well, I can't remember what happens. Like what's going on here? And at the very beginning of the next episode, we see the other side of this conversation, which is Todd, who... I want to talk about in the next episode is like the most confounding character because half the time you're like, this is just like such a nice guy. But then other times you're like, you're so evil. So it's like, we'll talk about more about that in the next episode because he has a great conversation with Lydia that we should discuss. But this is to me the best moment because again, it's like that about face from Walt and you can see the pained like expression that he's making calling Todd because he knows exactly what he's doing here. He knows that, invoking the services of uncle Jack is, is you can't go back from that. Yep. And in fact, we didn't talk about this in, you know, the episode before, uh, confessions, but the beginning of that episode is, um, Todd meeting in the diner with uncle Jack and the other guy. I don't remember his name, but they're, they're basically like brazenly discussing the train heist and with their, with their neo-Nazi swastikas tattoos, just like out in the open. And so like, that's an that's reminder enough, you know, that these are not good people that Walt is in business with. And so I think that this moment for him, it's a, another one of those inflection points. Like, is he really sure that he needs to make this decision? And he decides that it is. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I was going to ask you, is there anyone in any show or movie anywhere ever who you can think of as like less likable than than, <laughs> than the Aryan Brotherhood neo-Nazis in this show. No, they're, like they're, they're pretty awful. I mean, the only one I can think of is like, I don't know, the Joker in the Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like... I was thinking, I was thinking like maybe like uh, the slave owner in 12 Years a Slave. Like I haven't that seen guy's it. Pretty, okay. That guy's pretty, that guy's pretty evil. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like these, but again, it's like these ideas where like other people are lesser. I think those are, those are the t- kinds of characters and unfortunately people in real life who are like the lowest of the low because they they legitimately look down on a, another race or group of people which is like as fellow humans is like one of the worst things you could possibly do especially from like a moral standpoint yeah totally and the, the fact that walt is like willing to do business with these guys you know to transact with them to kill someone is like it's a major stain on walt right yeah it's it certainly does not look look good upon him and it, unfortunately he took out the only other person who could help which is mike not yep. that mike would have helped but like that's the only other person he knew so yeah it's just it's it's another moment that's going to drive sort of the plot forward from here so we already talked about your best writing i don't know if you had anything to add before we move on to my best writing moment no i think we covered it just a, a classic bob odenkirk as saul goodman yeah so my best writing it's not audio and again when i was going through this episode i was trying to think about what might make the best writing. And I really like this beginning of the episode where Walt is sort of like casing his house, trying to figure out if Jesse's there, still there. He's, you know, there's not really much dialogue. Walt's just sort of like slowly moving through his house with a gun. But what I really like about it and the way that it's written is that it just all, it just goes to show again, how out of 
place all of this is for Walt. Like he really doesn't seem to know what to do. He doesn't know how to properly like go in and, you know, sort of figure out if there's anybody in his house. And it, I like that we're able to see these moments where you get a moment like the uh, say my name episode, say my name where he's, where he's very much like in control and you're like, wow, this guy is really, he's a kingpin. But then you get these other moments where he's like trying to like poke around his house with a gun and he looks so awkward. And so I just like that the, there are these moments that they still give us even this late into the series that just goes to show like this guy is out of his element in pretty much everything he's doing here. And this is another example. I also um, just really love that he like squishes down on the carpet with the, you know, like he, they, that's that's like a, one of those moments where I like shuddered. I was like, oh, I hate that idea that your carpet gasoline. is so soaked with gasoline. Yeah. It'd be bad enough if it was like water or soda or something, but like the fact that it's gasoline, ugh, I'd get, I mean, I'd burn have the you house ever, down. Speaking of pump malfunctions, have you ever been at the pump and like accidentally gotten some on your shoes? Yeah, yeah, it's And awful. then it just, you get into the car and it's all you can smell. <laughs> like it's, yeah. I, just imagine having that all over your carpet. Horrendous, Terrible. horrendous, yeah. And the guys come in and they're like, sorry, this is the best we can do. He's like, you must make it better. And like, dude, you're a chemist. A you're an idiot right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you not understand that? That was actually one of my nits to pick that I forgot to to put on our our Google Doc here. But that was one of them. Like, dude, you're a chemist. You need to understand that you had like almost standing water gasoline in here. <laughs> They're not going to be able to vacuum the smell out. Right. Like, exactly. Come on. Yeah. So that's all I have on best writing. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, uh, I like your I, I like your selection though. What, one thing we didn't talk about that we should just briefly talk about, I just kind of want your opinion on the the Plaza standoff, because I, I think you had initially selected it as uh, one of your nominations here, but then um, switched something up, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, but I kind of wanted yep. to get kind of wanted to get your your thoughts on it, like Jesse sort of mistakes what what ends up being like a kind father for one of Walt's like henchmen. And it's just sort of. I don't know if you like it or if you have any problems with it. I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, so I ended up taking it off. I originally, I think, had it for best scene or maybe best moment. Yeah. But I think it was best scene. Um, yeah. And what I was thinking when I did it was like, this is kind of the climactic moment um, as far as uh, tension in the episode. Um, and then we have that climactic payphone call to Walt where Jesse says, nice try, asshole, et cetera. Yeah, and that is what drives the conversation, the, the phone call to Todd. Where, sure, you know. So I was just thinking, like, this is a pretty pivotal moment. But then, on further reflection, I was like, well, there's a couple things I don't like here. One, I don't like how Hank has just like pushed Jesse to do this, which is really, I think, an ill, ill-advised idea in the first place. But second, and this is kind of bleeding into my my nit to pick or one of my nits to pick, uh, the guy that Jesse thinks is out there to kill him. Uh, a horrendous actor. <laughs> so bad. Like, so first of all, his first job is just to stare at Jesse. And he, right. I mean, he does that as well as anyone can, I sure. guess, stare across a plaza. But then at the end, after we, after we have the conversation between Jesse and Walt, we learn that this guy was not at all associated with Walt. And we just stare with his daughter. And we learn that because he's like looking one direction. And then this girl goes, daddy. And he just like immediately pivots that direction and just holds his hands out right away for, <laughs> for to pick up his daughter. And it's like, Dude, could you not make that look just just slightly more natural? Okay, counterpoint. Yeah, what if they couldn't afford to pay one more extra? They built a robot, and he had one line. When he turned awkwardly, he goes, "Daughter," 
and then he like hugs her. Could be. You never know. That would explain some things, I have to say. <laughs> but I was like, honestly, like if I, I mean, I, I don't know who this person is and I don't want to like be criticizing out of turn. I normally don't criticize if I'm like, I couldn't do it that well. But I legitimately think that me as an untrained <laughs> actor could like make that look just slightly more realistic yeah, than, yeah, than yeah. I did in that, that shot. It's pretty bad, but I will say I do like the moment where Walt is like walking towards him. And yes, you think, that is oh, that, yeah. that guy, that guy is with him. And then the the daughter turns and then he has his daughter moment. Like he doesn't actually <laughs> say that, but it's just sort of like, is it's this a robot? That. I'm not yeah, sure. It's basically that. Yeah. I kind of have the same thoughts about the scene. I, I, I think it's high tension, but it's not as good as it could have been. I, I can't yeah. really pinpoint like what it is, but also maybe it's the fact that like in 2020, Jesse looking for a payphone would be like he'd he'd spend the next three episodes like does anybody know where a payphone is? Yes, yeah, can I find a payphone? I don't know when the last time I saw a payphone was. Yeah, I don't even know like 2013. I guess maybe, but would they be like a bank of payphones or maybe it's just is it a single one? I don't know. I but think there's I can't two remember. there. Two. Yeah. Okay. So that that maybe to me feels a little out of place now. There's not much in the show that feels dated like that, but things like that certainly do. Also, that did Jesse just happen to have some like spare change on him to? <laughs> He dowed collect. Yeah. He was like, uh, can you put me through to Walter yeah. White? <laughs> Walter White. Mr. White. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's some problems with that scene, I think. All right, Zach. Any other nits to pick before we wrap this episode up? Um, Let's see. So I talked about the guy in the plaza scene. I think I had one. Um, oh, yeah. So when when Hank is filming the confession scene with Jesse he's he's doing it there's light streaming in from the side because of where the sun is positioned yeah and then there's a there's a window directly behind the camera you know about like i don't know 15 feet behind the camera and he's like hey gomi can you shut that there's some some weird glare going on here and like that is not how i mean you've you've done more camera work than i have josh but that's not yeah. how glare works like no the the light is not coming in from that angle <laughs> and it's it's totally backlight you know, like so right <laughs> there's just like and then gomi does it and like all of a sudden that magically changes the glare so i was like oh, right guys. i mean it would have made sense to me if they were like hey can you shut the side one right because that's where the right. light is streaming in you get yeah. some weird glare effects from that but the pure backlight where the light is not directly coming in, you're not going to get a glare problem there. Yeah, I'm not sure why Hank feels like he needs to be a cinematographer at this point. He's <laughs> yeah, like, all right, good we need to reframe this. We need yeah. we need Roger Deakins. Like, yeah. Roger Deakins, famous cinematographer, he needs to film this. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be worthless. I will also say, just this is not a nit, but um, uh, I haven't watched ahead yet. But I think that there's some significance to the fact that Hank mentions the SD card to Gomi. I think he's like I think he keeps the SD card on him and that will become significant in the future oh, but yeah. I, but I'm not okay. totally I'm not totally positive. I think that's a little thing to keep in mind for the next two uh, one or two episodes. Okay, yeah, I haven't watched ahead far enough to know if that's if that's anything. I will say my only nit, other nit to pick other than ones I've already mentioned is we find out in this episode that when Walt has called when he's called um Jesse, he has called the the cell phone that Saul had given Jesse. So Saul provided Jesse with a cell phone in the last episode, the Hello Kitty cell phone. And Walt calls and leaves a message. How does Walt know this random burner phone that Saul has? Like, it doesn't make any sense that unless he got the number directly from Saul, but I don't get the impression that he like called. Maybe he, I don't know. It's, 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 it's strange that he like has this number to this random burner phone that Saul had. Well, that's all I can think is that Saul gave him the number at some point somewhere, but we certainly never see that. And it, it does seem a little bit too neat that he just dials the Hello Kitty phone. 
Yeah, and then Hank's like, "Oh, I'm listening to this Hello Kitty phone that I assume is Jesse's." And <laughs> right. It's it's Walt on the other line. It's just like very perfect. So that was my only other nit to pick. Zach, that just leaves MVP for this episode. I'm going to kick it to you first. This is a tricky one. We're it getting is. down to it. Jesse and Walt are currently tied with 28 votes apiece. It's a two-man race at this point. We'll see who comes out on top. So are either of them getting your MVP vote this week? I'm going to go with Todd. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> the, he has no lines, but he's yeah, very pivotal. He's talked to at the very end, but has no lines. Yeah. No, uh, I think I did go back and forth on this one. It's a tough one. But I think I'm going to go with Hank. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that the Dean Norris's like acting is like especially superb. I mean, it's just it's kind of standard fare for Dean Norris. But it is Hank who stops Jesse from lighting the house on fire. It's Hank who makes the ill-advised decision to take Jesse to his own home. It's Hank who decides to not tell the DEA. It's Hank who then advocates for the ill-fated plan of the plaza and also i think kind of overplays his hand and is the reason that jesse kind of chickens out there um and so there's a lot going on all because of hank that then drives that fateful phone call that hank makes at the very end so i'm gonna go with hank wow okay did not see that one coming so that brings him up to nine is that correct yep nine mvp votes overall i'm between two people this is a tough one, but I think I'm going to give it to Skyler. Ooh, that's nice. right. That's right. Maybe that's a, a little one, yeah. bit out of left field, but I think we already talked about her scene with Walt. Amazing. Great work by Anna Gunn. First of all, I love that she has a lot of reaction shots in this episode. Like when Walt is telling the story about the gasoline, her it's reaction shots, yeah. she doesn't say much, but like it's, it's great. But I think, on a deeper level, what I like about this is that Skyler pitches the idea, can we get rid of Jesse? Walt sort of balks at the idea. He's like, no way. But by the end of the episode, you have to imagine that something Skyler said might have creeped into his head a little bit. And he thought, maybe she has a point. And he doesn't want to get to that point. But without her sort of bringing that up and having a frank conversation about it, it's hard to see Walt ever having gotten to that place. And so maybe that could be a reason why Walt actually considers calling Uncle Jack and gang to maybe put out a hit on Jesse. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, totally agree. So that brings Skylar up to 15. She is squarely in third place. I think we can give her the bronze medal at this point. No one's going to catch her. I don't think the closest one is Hank. He'd have to really win out here for the rest of the episodes to catch up. Yeah, it's basically impossible. Yeah. And, and so then it's a, still a two-man race at the top between Jesse and Walt. Who will come out on top or will they tie? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could see a tie. So if we get to a point where we're in the last episode and they're like tied if I go one way and not, I might have to. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But that brings us to the end of this episode. Did we miss anything, Zach? I don't think so. We covered a lot of ground in this one. All right. Well, we will be back next time with Season 5, Episode 13. Pronounce it. Do it. Do it. No. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was waiting because you're going to lead the next episode. I knew you are going to have to pronounce oh, darn it. Darn it. You're right. Tohajile. Oh, there Pretty you good. go. Hey, Not bad. Nailed it. So that's the that's the episode title of season five, episode 13. A great episode. Got four really good episodes to close out the series, close out the show. 
So if we missed anything, if there's anything you want us to cover, anything you want us to respond to, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from our listeners. BreakingPod at VernacularPodcast.com. We'd love to read your feedback on the show. Time is running out, so please send it in as soon as possible. Until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Talk to you then. Bye.